the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Rob Black and your money. And now, here's Rob Black. Found another reason to hate Walmart today. Walmart was downgraded and thus pulled down the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Last week, there was a string of eight up days on Wall Street that were broken, ultimately by the underperformance of Cisco after reporting numbers that disappointed Wall Street. That's the downside with trying to follow just one index and saying, how did the market do today? One stock could turn it from positive to negative. Now, again, we've had an amazing run since August, an amazing run this year, an amazing run recently. Sideways is okay. I'm good with it. I hope you are as well. So Walmart pulled the Dow Jones Industrial Average lower. Ultimately, an analyst, J.P. Morgan, said the world's biggest retailer is going to lose some customers as low-income customers head to discount stores and other shoppers return to more expensive stores. One potential winner might be Target. Investors weighed the impact of President Barack Obama's $3.73 trillion budget proposal for next fiscal year. We'll have more on that in coming episodes for sure. Obama's budget includes a five-year freeze on many domestic spending programs, but that's kind of I'm going to call that BS in large part. A five-year freeze on on spending programs after having two of the biggest budgets ever. The two biggest budgets ever isn't really saying much, is it? How about if you were to say, we're going to go back to spending levels of 1980? That would have a, a far more wow kind of effect. Higher education funding cut by $89 billion over 10 years. This is one of those stories that I want to have... You know, again, continue to ask ourselves, this is probably not the area we want to be cutting, or if it is, we want to make sure we get alternatives put in place. The Obama budget cuts would reduce support for higher education by $89 billion over 10 years. And he's called for the United States to lead the world in college graduates by 2020. Both aren't going to happen. So one cut in the budget here would be a provision allowing some college students to get two Pell Grants in a year. And a program that lowers interest rates on loans for graduate students. Pell Grants give college students from low-income families as much as $5,500 per school year to pay tuition and other costs. Program costs skyrocketed over the past three years to about $35 billion from $15 billion in fiscal 2008 as eligibility widened and the economic crisis hurt families' finances. Obama called last year for the U.S., uh, try to keep up with economic competitiveness with other nations by producing another 8 million college graduates by 2020. Now, normal unemployment rate may soon be 6.7%, which is up from 5% before the recession began. What's normal in the future may be 6.7%, the new normal. High rates of long-term joblessness, extended unemployment benefits, and a mismatch of skills between workers and available jobs it could be impeding a return to the previous level. Jobless rates are around 9% right now, 21 straight months where it's been above 9%. EchoStar is acquiring Hughes for about $1.32 billion. What's interesting to note about this deal is 
Hughes is a provider of broadband, whereas Echostar is a satellite television company tied towards basically just networks, which is where it gets most of its revenues. This is interesting in large part because I like the satellite TV services a lot more than the cable TV services. I dislike the satellite broadband solutions. I love the cable broadband solutions. I think it's a smart acquisition. I need to really study the hell out of it. Before we go out and do anything, we need to do that, okay? But on the surface, I can tell you, I initially, when I saw that, I was like, about friggin' fragging time, guys. Right? So let's hit some other um, stories of note out there today. And more importantly, Dow 12,000. We stayed there for basically a full week last week. What does it mean? Some have argued that the level is insignificant. Some have said that it's significant. Some see the relevance being tied towards the prior level pre-collapse of 2008. What's interesting to kind of do on occasion is to go back in time and do some comparisons. You know, the last time the Dow closed below above 12,000 was June 19th, 2008. It's a long time ago. That's two and a half years, right? Roughly. Turning point in the economy marks the moment that the housing market, particularly the mortgage market, on this date began to crumble. June 19th, 2008, and the Great Recession of the fall of 2008 began. So 12,000, when it cracked below last time, is when we kind of started seeing the writing on the walls of how bad it was going to be. After the peak in midsummer, the Dow fell by nearly 50% over the next nine months, all the way down to 65.94. Since the March 2009 low, the stock market has shown a solidly increasing rise, which has finally now returned to the prior levels pre-2008, June 19th. Is this an indicator that we're out of the woods? Is this an indicator that it's back to normal? Is this an indicator that we're good? You know, the Dow's returned to 12,000. What's the difference between now and then? Here's some data, and I got it from briefing.com. And if you use some of the up-to-date information, GDP numbers, the, the data used is from the second quarter, 2008 GDP. That wasn't really available until about June 19th, 2008. So if you're using the current data, it would be fourth quarter, 2010. But this is going to give you some pretty compelling thoughts to think about. The variance of time periods, you know, for all intents and purposes, is pretty slight, all things considered. But to give a high-level, broad comparison between the two, you can't really read everything into this. But GDP in... Fourth quarter 2008 versus fourth quarter 2010, it's changed about 2.8% from 14.4 trillion to 14.8 trillion. Real GDP from about 13.3 trillion up to about 13.38 trillion, a change of just two tenths of a percent. Quarter over quarter comparisons were much stronger now, growing at 3.2% in our GDP versus 0.6% back in 2008. Now, that data shows us that while nominal GDP has grown 2.8% since the second quarter of 2008, 
the real GDP, when adjusted for inflation, has just increased two-tenths of a percent. Now, what's that mean? It means that when you start taking into account inflation, the economy's not grown at all since last time that was at 12000 And it's back to the exact level. Ironically, consumer spending, and I shouldn't say the exact level because I know there's some funny mathematicians out there, but consumer spending in both the nominal and real terms, it's grown at much stronger rates than the overall economy. So again, using second quarter 2008, fourth quarter 2011, personal spending, 10.1 trillion, up from up to 10.5 trillion in fourth quarter 2011, up 3.4%. Now, personal spending in real money adjusted for inflation, 9.3 trillion up to 9.4 trillion. So that's up 1.1%. So that's a pretty good annualized, that's a pretty good set of numbers, right? And the quarter over quarter numbers, of, it was growing at just one tenth of a percent. Now it's 4.4%. So you can clearly see our economy is moving faster now going forward in a momentum month-to-month level than it was then. Now, all this data is from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, U.S. Department of Commerce. And this data states the economic recovery is entirely driven by increased spending by consumers, particularly when you adjust for inflation. Now, while the total real GDP was up just two-tenths of a percent, real personal spending is up 1.1 percent, more than five times faster. Now, this becomes an issue because personal spending is approximately two-thirds of the total GDP. And the implication here is that other sectors of the economy have not still risen to levels of 30 months ago. Will they and push us higher? Won't they? And the leveraged consumer falls back. Now, again, there's a lot to talk about here. And it's really tough for you to say, let's take this leap of faith and say this is exactly what this means. A lot of media attention's on the unemployment rate, the most commonly accepted representation of employment levels. Now, other metrics can portray the employment picture in a lot more detail. For instance, the employment metric, again, if we were to use June 30th, 2008, January 2011, the labor force in thousands, it's about 154, 315 so when you start pulling that number out, about 154 million up from up to about 153 million. Year over, on the two comparisons, I want to say year over year, but it's really three year over period time. That's down about 1.1 million or roughly seven tenths of a percent. The employed 145 million. Now is 139 million. The underemployed has gone from 8.5 million to 13.8 million. So here we go back to 2008, where unemployment was 5.6 percent. Now it's 9 percent. Here, the actual number of employed workers is interesting because the number is 4.4 percent lower than it was in 2008. And again, look at our spending. Look at our GDP. So there's 6.4 million fewer jobs today than there were in 2008. Even though the ranks of the unemployed has only increased by about 5.3 million, there's some discrepancies that are explained by demographics, baby boomer beginning to retire, leaving the labor force. Economic growth has ultimately been flat. Now, the decline in total employed workers implies that real productivity has increased dramatically. This is all fun stuff to look at. Interest rates... With this, you're looking at a scenario it's seen when comparing interest rates today versus 2008. Rates are dramatically different. Back in June 2008, a one-year treasury was 4.95%. 
Today, it's 0.28%. Back in 2008, a 10-year treasury bond was 4.2%. Today, it's 3.5%. The interest rate curve then was clearly inverted, a commonly accepted indicator of impending recession. While longer-term interest rates stay are lower, the drop is far less than the drop seen in the short-term rates. So the short-term rate, considerably different than the long-term rate or the mid-term rate. So the inflation picture is also quite different today than it was when we were last at Dow 12,000. So the overall price increases since 2008 are actually incredibly low at 1.4% over 31 months, 30 months. But coincidentally, it's equal to the current CPI annual rate. This is why a lot of people are expecting an era of deflation over the past few years. In sharp contrast, the expectations from June 2008. So a lot of people, will we have deflation and inflation, a lot of people made the wrong overall bet. The biggest difference between June 2008 and today's government spending. So the interesting statistic in government spending, and the government receipts are nearly 13% lower today than they were in June 2008, but spending has increased by about 20%. The interesting statistic here is that the significant lower federal tax receipts currently now than in 2008. Now, again, these are interesting numbers. $2.5 trillion in receipts in 08, $2.2 trillion in receipts in 11. That's down 12% if you think about it. Spending by the government, $2.8 trillion. In 2008 versus 3.5 trillion today, it's up 21%. Federal spending is in dramatic contrast where it was 31 months ago. The combination of sharply declined receipts and declining increased spending results has a multiplicative effect on deficit levels. Our deficit's up 292% in that same period of time. So it's not easy to tell you. You know, we've gone from $326 billion in deficit per year to 1.2 trillion to me it's shocking to see how just you know how much federal deficits have risen from where they were last time we were at Dow 12,000 so last time we are here in our deficits versus now it really gives you a concept of we're not in a good place even though the market's moving higher corporate earnings is a big positive difference S&P 500 earnings per share in 2008 was about $51.37. Today it's $76.86. That's up 50%. Now, federal government debt is another statistic that you got to look at. Debt held by the public. $5.2 trillion. Now it's $9.4 trillion. Intergovernmental debt, $4.1 trillion to $4.6 trillion. Total debt. Federal debt, $9.3 trillion, up to $14 trillion. That's a 50% change. Now, again, corporate earnings aren't going to carry us forever, but the valuation of stocks is significantly lower today than it was last time we were at 12000 but also our debt levels as a nation. The private sector is doing its job. The public sector ain't. we got to fix the public sector soon. Dow may have returned to levels it maintained prior to financial crisis, but things today could you know, not be more different than they were just 30 months ago. It's totally flip-flopped government and, and private sectors. Anyhow, I got to run here. I'm so sorry. Um, what can I give you? What can I give you as a final bonus? 
We'll talk about tomorrow, the future of oil and Saudi Arabia and Egypt, what we've recently learned. We'll learn a little bit more about Google, maybe. Or I could just give it to you today. One analyst said today that his investment company is putting more money behind Android than Microsoft, referring to it as the next Windows, Android operating system. That's an interesting statement. Android has been the largest and fastest growing part of their business. Most of us will have one tablet and one phone and maybe one reader. Not every child will have a PC, but every child will have a tablet. You'll have much greater reach in demographics, such as the young and the elderly. Anyhow, I'll do a little bit of that on tomorrow's radio show. Rob Black and Your Money could be heard 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. tomorrow. All on 1220 a.m. You can listen to it streamed, kdow.biz. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.